Welcome to Donnell Edwards' Viewpoints, where your viewpoint matters. Donnell discusses today's major issues and concerns with nationally recognized expert guests, as well as a variety of other interesting topics. So call and express your viewpoint about this week's topic or whatever else may be of concern to you. Just call Donnell at 563-999-3660 to share your viewpoint. Now, with this week's guest, here is your viewpoint host, Donnell Edwards. Good evening, good evening. This is Donnell Edwards' Viewpoints. And we have a very exciting show for you tonight. And right now we're in the process of getting our guest on the line for this evening. So here we go. We should be connected in just a minute. Hello. Hello, Carlos. Hey, Carlos speaking. This this is Donnell Edwards with Donnell Edwards Viewpoints. How are you this evening? I'm fantastic. How are you doing? Doing great, doing great. And uh, let me give you uh, give you your introduction here and uh, let everyone know who we're talking to. As I mentioned before, this is Donnell Edwards' Viewpoints. The theme for tonight's program is how theater can save our youth from involvement in crime and violence. Our special guest is a producer, director, writer, actor, musician, songwriter, poet, and humanitarian. Please join me in formally welcoming to Donnell Edwards Viewpoints and the CWR Talk Network, Mr. Carlos Heredia. Hello, Carlos, again, and uh, welcome to Donnell Edwards Viewpoints. Hello, hello, and thank you so much for having me. How are you doing this evening? I am doing wonderful and really looking forward to uh, this this discussion. I think it's going to be very powerful and informative to our listeners. One of the things that's very important to me is our youth. And one of the, the problems that uh, we have with our youth, especially in some of the inner city communities, is uh, there's not uh, oftentimes not things for them to do. And as a result, they get involved in trouble. And you have come up with a solution to that problem, so we really want to talk about that. But first of all, let's introduce you to our listeners and let them know who you are. Uh, how did you get started, and, and what was your motivation behind what you're doing? So I, I was always involved in music, um, and I remember as a kid, my father used to play um, records, and he used to have, like, little dance parties and, you know, on Sunday dinner. My mother, you know, we would have all the family there, and he would, you know, like, uh, give us a dollar each, whoever dances the best. And you know, it was just, you know, music was in our, in our blood growing up. Um, and so I've always enjoyed music. And then um, when I got older, I got into DJing, um, and, I, you know, I was really, really, like, big into um, hip-hop music when I first started back in the days. And, um, you know, I just I got into DJing and... I wanted to be a professional DJ, and so um, then I got into um, rapping. Um, and then when I was involved in the church, in the Catholic church, and I joined the choir, and then I started learning to play the guitar. And so um, I, I knew how to play the drums a little bit in school, and I was always just like, um, I guess, naturally, you know, talented, had rhythm, and, you know, so it came easy to me, and so I started learning how to play guitar um, and through the choir I started learning how to play the bass and I started learning um, just kind of teaching myself and working with you know I, I was fortunate enough to be around um, musicians who I would just pick up a little bit here a little bit there um, and then I used to volunteer at this camp a family retreat camp in Connecticut um, and a bunch of musicians from you know, different parts of the States used to come and, you know, and I used to just learn, I just, I love music. And so, um, I wanted to be a musician. Um, like that was my passion. I was like, you know, but I wasn't sure what kind of genre of music I was going to get into. And then I remember when I was 17 years old, there was a priest, uh, Father Vince Fitzpatrick, who actually passed away yesterday. Um, he was running a youth theater. Um, and he had, um, he had basketball, he had, um, theater going on, and he was, you know, real, real big in the community and stuff. And so I went and I tried out, uh, auditioned for one of his 
musicals, um, and I got cast in the lead role, <laughs> um, you know, which was scary to me because I, I didn't really consider myself a singer. But, you know, he encouraged, and it was all, you know, people from the community. Uh, and, you know, we put on this show, and that was the first time I realized that, like, wow, you know, you can put different genres of music in one show. You know, and that was just like, you know, I knew this is what I want to do. Like, I love rap music. I love rock music. I love Spanish love ballads. You know, I love opera. I love everything. And I was like, this is it. This is the freedom to do whatever I want. And then there was that aspect of, you know, Father Vince and what he did in his community. And and there was a, um, a joy in him. Like, when you're around him, like, he was just the type of person that he was just so happy that he knew exactly what he was meant to be doing, you know, and I, and it was rare to see that in people, you know, and, and he was just like, you know, and, and I was like, you know, like, that's, that's what I want to aspire to be. I want to be happy like that. You know, I want to, you know, help out with the youth and stuff like that. And, um, and so I didn't get any formal training, but it was just um, seeking out people who played, you know, be it in the church when I, you know, I went to college for a few years and, there was, you know, I joined the gospel choir there just to be, I surrounded myself in an environment where wherever there was somebody into music, I wanted to learn what they were doing, how they did what they did. And, you know, and, and that was basically it for me. I mean, I, I just, I just fell in love with the music. Okay, great. Now that was one of the questions I was going to ask because some people may be listening and may like to try to, uh, uh, follow your following your footsteps and do some of the things that you're doing. We're going to talk about that later on in the program uh, in their community. But it, it sounds like what happened with you is uh, life prepared you for what you're doing. Uh, you had good mentors. You immersed yourself with uh, the things that you, you really wanted to do. Now, uh, for those who feel that they can't do what you're doing because they don't have formal training, uh, you, you just said yourself that that was kind of the situation with you. So uh, what encouragement would you give someone who is really serious, wants to be active and do something in the community, and perhaps get into uh, providing uh, the uh, the arts or theater for, for, for youth? Uh, what encouragement would you give them if they feel that they don't have the education or the formal training to do that? Well, I think that like one of my big my biggest things that I tell when I work with with the youth that the first thing they tell me is I can't sing or I can't act or I can't do this like that's instant that's right away you know and and I always like one of my big influences is uh, C T Fletcher and he always says that you know the will that people have and so I think what's most important regardless of whether you can play an instrument sing act whatever it is. As long as you have that desire to want to do it, you know, you may not be the best singer in the world, you may not be, but as long as you have that desire to want to do it, I think that is what is key. Because especially in the arts, you know, if you're trying to do it professionally, you know, there's a lot of rejection. There's, there's a lot of rejection in it. But if it's what you want to do in your heart, then it doesn't even matter. You know, it, it doesn't even matter because you love what you're doing and I, I would encourage you know um, if, if you feel you want to learn how to play the trumpet learn how to play the piano, learn how to sing there are resources out there that a lot of times we have to go out and seek you know it, it, and uh, like I grew up and there were places that I, I, I wasn't aware of that I could have went and got in theater training or I could have gotten guitar lessons but I wasn't aware of it or I couldn't afford it or, you know, but I think right now, especially with the internet, you know, uh, people, a lot of people should be able to self-teach themselves and, you know, seek out people who sing and play. You know, there's a lot of people out there who are professional, uh, who work something else outside of the, the arts industry, but they may be a musician that they, you know, so I would just always ask and inquire and talk to people and educate yourself, you know, with people who, who play music. You know, I, I love speaking to a lot of my elders because they have so much of the history, you know, that, that you don't get in school. Um, so I just think, you know, just it's that, that constant drive to follow, you know, to have the will to continue to, regardless of what, I want to learn this instrument. I want to learn this. I want to go and seek it out. And you'll find a way, you know, the, the universe creates a way when you, 
you know, um, when you put in your part. That's, that's just something I believe. Okay. Now, that addresses the musical aspect, but you wear a lot of hats. I mean, you're a songwriter, you're a producer, you're a director, you're an organizer, which means you have to be involved in fundraising, you have to find venues. So for someone who is listening that says, well, I have no background and no experience in, in, in those things, uh, what, what would you say to them if they're really serious and really have a passion for wanting to do something similar to what you're doing in the community? Well, um, as, as cliche as this is going to sound, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. You know, okay. a lot of t- yeah, you know, and uh, the thing is that how badly do you want something? So if right. you do you do you want to if you want to put on a show, you know, you have to rent out a theater. Uh, do you want it bad enough that you know you're gonna sacrifice? I'm not gonna buy coffee anymore for a month. I'm not gonna you know buy breakfast out. I'm gonna you know budget my my money so that I can take out a little bit. If I know next summer I wanna rent out a theater, then I'll take $10 from my paycheck. And from now to next year, I'll have, you know, funding. You know, there's also, um, which is hard for me, but there's also like the, the GoFundMe and the Kickstarter. There's a bunch of those, cam- those campaigns that, you know, there's a lot of people out there who support people who are doing good things. You know, and I think if you're genuine in what you're doing, um, and you put that out there again, you know, I just feel like, you know, the universe, the Lord helps you if you help yourself, you know, and I, and I just think it's very important to constantly tell yourself that, you know, if this is my calling, if this is what it is that I want to do, then I'm going to find a way to do it. I, I will find a way of how I'm going to do it, you know? Okay. Um, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just, um, so yeah, but there's, there's sacrifice, you know, uh, sacrifice. You know, don't go out a couple of nights, you know, don't, you know, save money where you need to and and, and it'll happen. Okay, very good. So the most important thing is to make that first step. Yeah. You know, instead of just thinking about it and wanting to do it, uh, eventually you have to make that first step or nothing's going to happen. Now, you you stayed on your website. uh, Hip Hip Heredia is committed to emphasizing the concept of family through performing arts, creating material that empowers, educates, and breaks the stereotypes in the media, theater with a purpose, yet entertaining to all. So just what is Hip Hip Heredia Theater? So the concept of Hip Hip Heredia came from I remember, like, uh, I have four kids. Um, okay. And so I, I remember before my first son was born, I was thinking to myself, like, you know, it would be nice to go out and see a movie, you know, with my kids. And, I'm, you know, I'm, like, fantasizing all this stuff. I'm about to be a father and other stuff. And I'm, and I'm looking around, and I'm like, you know, even, like, these Marvel movies that are supposed to be geared for kids, you know, there's swear words in them and there's adult content in them. And I'm like... Like, you know that kids want to come see this. Why would you put that in there? You know, right. and so I felt like, yeah, I, I felt like, look, complaining about how things are, then let me create that lane. Let me open up a, a lane where, you know, I can create shows that have, like, you know, tough, con- you know, tough uh, concepts and um, ideas and stories. And, um, but it's something that the, the whole family can come out, see a show, and go home and talk about it. And, you know, as deep as the show may get, you know, and even when I worked with the youth, with the kids, you know, I used to do shows that revolve, you know, around music, but that they also revolve around a lot of the topics, suicide, abortion, drugs. You know, I hit on a lot of those things because I feel like it's important for them to not only get those kind of movies like the, you know, the Al Pacino and he's, you know, a drug king and shooting and, and like people are like, yeah, I love that, you know, but I think it's also important to put out these other stories, you know, uh, like the untold stories that a lot of times are not, you know, people don't want to see it because it's too positive. I've heard and stuff like that, but I just felt like, no, there's a way of doing it where you can create these kind of, these kind this kind of material um, and it be successful. And I, 
you know, I've been, you know, doing it by myself, and I found a lot of people along the way who, you know, aided me here and there. But, you know, I've gotten, it's gotten me to where I am, you know, and I feel like I've created my own little niche. And I think the media will subconsciously um, implant things in your head. Um, when I when I started writing the current show, the Sean McLeod, I remember I was interviewing people just to kind of see where they were at. And this one woman that I met in Colorado, she told me that it wasn't until she got to college that she actually met a black person in person. And, you know, she told me that all the ideas and everything she knew about how black people behave was what she learned on television. So, mm-hmm. of course, yeah, you know, so, of course, she's going to react a certain way when she sees a black person coming down because that's all they show on TV, you know. And so I just was like, you know, I, I, it doesn't have to be that way. Like, we can create the same things. And the same with the with the language, you know. I always felt like when people write stuff, they put in these curse words. And for me, I'm like, you know, if you're angry and you write in a curse, that's easy and it's lazy. You know, challenge yourself and get that same emotion out there without cursing and see if you can get it out there and get the same emotion out because it's possible. You know, um, and I, I remember, you know, referencing hip-hop. Like, I remember, you know, one of my the, the rappers that I enjoyed, you know, was Rakim, Eric B. and Rakim. And, you know, that, that man was is a legend, you know, iconic. And he never said a small word in his life <laughs> in, in, in the music. Like, I've never heard him curse. But his music felt like he did, you know. And so, but the, so the the whole concept of hip hip is that, you know, I feel like if we thought of each other as family and a community, you know, that my hope is that we could be better. You know, if I go out with my family, with my brothers, with my mother, like we're gonna have a good time. We're gonna do things with brothers, with family. But if, you know, we carry that same concept out in theater, and we, you know, we support one another what we're doing. Then we're gonna grow. You know, if, if the, the arts are, you know, there's a lot of competition in the arts. And, you know, but when you have that family idea, that concept in your head, you know, we're going to support one another. We're going to be there for another. We're going to, you know, sacrifice for one another because we care about each other in that way. You know, and so that's that's my hope in the theater department. And, and the other thing is that hopefully actors who may not be um, open to the kind of stuff I'm doing in doing my shows and learning the material, it may be something that's, sticks with them for the rest of their life and they may want to affect change somewhere else because they were inspired by this and, and I've seen a lot of that happen and it's, it's really, really, it feels really good to see that you know, um, people working together and coming together to do something like this it's awesome Okay, very good Now you, you mentioned something there that I, I wanted to uh, go back to which I talk about quite often and that's the fact that some people underestimate the power of the media or even if they don't underestimate it they don't recognize or uh, choose to ignore the influence that the media has on uh, our society and particularly in in race relations because like you were talking about the lady that you interviewed uh, she is typical of so many people uh, maybe some who have uh, not like her uh, not have met a black person in, in person until they were an adult, but who really have had their uh, viewpoints and their images of who black people are framed by what they have learned from the media. And right. so often the media gets it wrong and it's uh, conveyed in, in a, a very negative way. And, and that causes a, a lot of the problems that we see because of the misperception that people have because of what the media has taught them. So that's that's a a major issue. Now, you mentioned uh, something else that we're going to get into a little later, but I have another question I wanted to ask before we do that. Uh, One of the things we wanted to focus on tonight is the relationship between theater and helping our youth. So how have you used theater to attract and influence youth who may have been headed down a dark path in their lives to transform their lives in a more positive way. Okay. So in the neighborhood I grew up in, um, on the lower east side of New York City, at one time was like a really, you know, bad neighborhood, you know, people getting shot, drugs, and there was a lot of that. Um, And 
I think, you know, the, the neighborhood got better, but there's still a lot of that stuff going on. When I started doing theater with the kids that I had, um, it came from the, the school where I was at um, was actually the school I went to when I was in middle school, junior high school. Um, but when I was there, um, they had, you know, jazz, tap, dance, orchestra, like they had all kinds of things. And then when I went there, I, was, I went there to work part-time um, as, as part of the custodial staff. Um, I was heartbroken because, you know, these kids were, um, they had like an art class, I think, and gym, and that was it. And, you know, the kids were bored. They would get three periods or two long periods of math because testing became important. And, you know, a lot of the kids were getting in trouble. And the school that I was at in particular was going from a regular school into, like, charter school. So it also became a dumping ground for um, a lot of the other schools. Um, but what I wanted to do was a lot of the kids that I grabbed, some of them were, you know, perfectly, you know, Behaved kids, no problem. And then, you know, some of the other kids were either low readers or introverts or, you know, I used to grab kids. Like I remember this one kid that he was always cutting class. He was always in the hallway. So I used to just grab him and tell him, come on, come be in the place, you know. And I, he was like, no, I don't know how to do shows. I don't, you know, whatever. And, you know, I, I wrote in a part uh, specifically for him, you know, into the show. Um, and he was a part of it. And it was you know, fantastic. And I remember one of the teachers came up to me one day and she said to me, you know, um, I really enjoy what you're doing because uh, it was like a history class, I think. And she said that, you know, my student was sitting there with his book open, the history book open reading. And so when she went around the class and she looked, she saw he had the script, my script inside of the book. And she saw him and left him because he has a hard time reading. And she said, you know, he's reading, he's sitting there and he's reading. And the other thing we did that was awesome that I commend the kids for was, you know, when I first did that, um, you know, it, it hadn't been done in a while at that school. And they recruited other kids. You know, seeing that happen, recruited other kids. You know, a lot of the teachers got involved, and they started um, acting in the shows. You know, I even had the principal, the vice principal at the time, they got on stage. And we used to get, you know, we started mixing up people from, who were professional actors, like, you know, just to mix them in there with the kids to get them, again, the concept of, you know, we're a community and we're going to do something together. You know, not, I'm not your teacher at this moment. We're working together towards, towards this goal. And I think it was super successful. And it grew from there that I used to rent out um, off-Broadway off theaters and the kids would, you know, we would go there and we would perform, you know, and, I, I did that for a couple of years, and you know, to this day, I'm in touch with a lot of these kids, you know, who are you know grown up now, and you know, it, it feels really good that you know, wow, you know, I, I'm so thankful for that because you know, it opened me up, and I was able, it helped me in my career, you know, where I have to get up in front of people and speak, you know, and it helped me in my career while I was, you know, so that 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 helped, so that desire to want to be a part of that because I think that's the big thing. A lot of these kids, for all of us growing up, we want to be known. We want to be a part of something. And I always feel that if you create a lot of these positive things, so if you have theater, if you have sports, if you have, you know, computer technology, if you have all these programs and you give these kids options, you know, you hope that it'll keep them away from getting involved in other things that they shouldn't be, you know. And, and it, was, it, was, it was amazing. So I did it in New York, and then um, when I was in Colorado, I lived out there for a while, and I got involved in the school there and did the same thing. You know, we um, moved to California and did the same thing. And it was always the same, you know, um, I never had students who were, quote, unquote, theater students. I always just had kids who would never get up on stage, but they did. And they were wonderful. And they were appreciative of what they did. And it, it boosted their ego. Like, they, it, it's kind of sad, but, like, when I lived in Denver, there's a, a real cool brother out there, Brother Jeff, who's doing a lot. Um, he lives, like, in the Five Points area. And I worked with him, and we worked with these kids out there. And, you know, a lot of the kids, it was it felt weird for them to be, like, you know, to tell them, like, wow, that was you guys did a really good job. I'm proud of you. You know, they kind of didn't know how to respond to it because they're so used to getting yelled at it, you know. And, and, and it was good to do that, you know, and it was good to see that, you know. And, and you know, unfortunately, I had to be moved from there, but... Um, you know that, so that's my 
that's my thing with all of it. Like I just feel it's we ha- we have to create these things for these kids because especially now with the internet, these kids have access to a lot of things that you know I don't, that I never even heard of. But it's you know, um, but these these programs is it's an excellent way to teach these kids. It's an excellent way to build relationship with these kids, to mentor these kids, and to have, like, lifelong relationships, you know, and guide them and give them guidance that I didn't have growing up. You know, I, I wish I had somebody to teach me what I know now about theater and music and all that stuff because it would have made my life so much easier. And so I feel like it's my duty to turn, do that for the youth, to, to give them that opportunity and to create those relationships, to, to, to show them that, look, you you can do this. You know, it is possible. It's, it's not far-fetched. It is possible. Okay, Carlos, thank you so much for uh, sharing that with us. And uh, basically what, what, what I'm hearing, and I hope some of the other people in the audience are hearing as well, especially if you're interested in getting involved in the community, sometimes all it takes is just for you to care. All a child needs is to see that there's someone there who cares yep. and, and you, you're really doing that and we commend you for that right now we're going to take a break and uh, we'll be back if you just tuned in this is Daniel Edwards viewpoints and we're discussing how theater can save our youth from involvement in crime and violence with our guest producer director and actor Mr. Carlos Heredia if you have a question or comment about getting into theater or starting a community theater call now to talk with Mr. Heredia our number is 563-999-3660. That number again is 563-999-3660. We would love to hear your viewpoint. And when we return, we're going to discuss uh, how the theater can help the community and especially at-risk youth. So please stay tuned. Listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network. Hashtag One Million Strong. Hey, if you have really, really tried to lose weight going from one diet to the next, stop right now and listen to me. Let Jen Han help you. Jen is a food coach and body image expert in her new show, Nutrition Tips with Jen Han, The Effortlessly Easy Path to Weight Loss, is now on the CWR Talk Network. Jen's aim is to dispel all the myths related to dieting, debunk food rules, and bring enjoyment and sanity back to eating. You shouldn't feel guilty about eating the things you enjoy. Jen has lived through the battle of dieting and binging herself for 13 years and has tried every diet plan, every program, and every solution that promised weight loss. Hypnosis, diet pills, cleanses, detoxes, you name it, Jen's tried it. It wasn't until she looked at what was underneath the food that she saw any lasting healing. Now Jen teaches others the truth about dieting and how to enjoy eating normally. Listen to Jen's podcast, Nutrition Tips with Jen Han, The Effortlessly Easy Path to Weight Loss, on the CWR Talk Network online at blogtalkradio.com forward slash CWR Talk Radio. That's blogtalkradio.com forward slash CWR Talk Radio and search for Jen Han or go directly to Jen's podcast on our website, CWRTalkNetwork.com and select Jen's page from the menu bar. Listen and imagine. It takes five seconds to send a text, and for those five seconds, you're driving blind. Life is worth more than a text. Stay alive. Don't text and drive. 
Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, Noise, and the Ad Council. You're listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network. Hashtag One Million Strong. Welcome back to Donnell Edwards Viewpoints with your host, Donnell Edwards, on the CWR Talk Network. Welcome back to Donnell Edwards Viewpoints. Tonight's discussion is how theater can save our youth from involvement in crime and violence. And our guest is speaker and author, Mr. Carlos Heredia. Now, uh, Carlos, uh, what advice would you give to anyone who is listening that would like to become involved in community theater as a means of diversion for young people who have no constructive activities to engage in after school and during the summer months and who are destined to be victims of the judicial system by joining gangs or participating in acts of crime and violence? Uh, well, I, I, I think that we, uh, if, if, if we're able to remove ourselves from thinking, like when we say theater, I know for me, I used to think of these big, Lion King Productions or Annie or these, you know, these big giant shows. And if if we're able to think more about theater being our experience, our story that we are putting on stage creatively. So you can get up and you can read a poem. You can take that same poem and you can make it into a song. You can take that song and you can make it a part of the show. You know, and so I think if we first start with the, like, if we want to tell our story, and a lot of these kids have stories to tell, and a lot of these stories are not unique, you know, um, and I think that just getting these, these kids out there um, to just tell their stories, you know, just talk about what, what it is that you do. And I know there's a lot of theater groups that I know of that what they do is they take stories that people tell and you know, and then they put it to stage. They do stage readings. They, you know, and they and they do all these, you know, and it, it's just evolved around, you know, the story of this person that, you know, wants to tell the story that they told. You know, um, I think I know like when I lived in Colorado, um, there's actually a play called "Do You Know Who I Am" um, by one of my friends, Kirsten Wilson, and. You know, it, it was the story, it was the real-life story, and I think they started out as monologues, where these four, um, there was three brothers and, a, and one female, um, and they they told their stories, their immigrant stories, um, first as just monologues, where they wrote it out, they told the story that they wanted to tell. Then they took it the next step further, and they staged it, and they think, so I think the first step, if it feels like a giant task, the first step is getting just people to tell their story, you know, what, whatever that is. Because I, th- I think there's a, there's a long history of storytelling in communities, and that's basically what theater is. You know, it's just, you know, people getting up and telling your story. And then a lot of uh, – so I, I would advise anyone that is interested in that to look up local community theaters, go see some shows, um, talk to people who are involved in theater, there's a lot of stuff on YouTube. You know, you reach out to me. I will gladly, you know, answer any questions you may have. Um, but I, I, I think, again, you know, it's one of those things where if it's something you want to do, just, you know, go out and seek, for that, seek that information. But just remember, it's not a giant task. It's, it's, it's storytelling. And then, you know, people get creative and tell their story, you know, in different ways. Um, uh, but that would be my first advice is just, you know, to think of it that way. It's not a giant task. Think of it that way. Okay. Now, Carlos, uh, let's talk for a moment about your current project, Ben Sean Netkhalid. By the way, there is a promotional video of the musical on our website, 
uh, cwrtalk.net. And we encourage people to go and see that so they can kind of get an idea of what the uh, uh, can kind of see what the uh, the uh, the musical is about because we're going to talk about uh, about it quite a bit here. And it's been described as a thought provoking and at times quite hilarious musical that tackles racism in a refreshingly different manner. So tell us what Dan Sean Met Khalid is all about. So the story on the surface is about, uh, it's a coming-of-age story of a young black child who was adopted by a white family, and he is he gets to an age where he just wants to know his place in the family, you know, how to fit in as this person of color into this white family that adopted him. Um, and it's just, you know, it goes through the, his experiences, you know, from a baby to an adult. Um, and... That's the micro version, um, and uh, what, I, what I was trying to do was I wanted to tell a story of what it felt like to be a person of color in America, you know, being a, adopting into okay. this American culture. Um, and so that's what, is, uh, what it's about. The, the Den Shah McKhalid stemmed from uh, an interview, a real interview, between the late Dr. Khalid Muhammad and Sean Hannity, and it's a, I think it's like an hour and a half, two-hour interview debate. They were going back and forth, and I remember listening to it, um, and it was it was just like uh, something about that. In, I mean, Khalid Muhammad was a you know a brilliant man the way he spoke, um, but it was something about that that they were talking for almost two hours, and I feel like they weren't getting anywhere because neither one of them was listening to one another. They were just telling each other, you know, what the story was about or whatever. So I kind of took that concept and made, you know, that about Sean, the, in the character, in the story, the main character's name is Sean. Um, it's about when he first comes across that interview and how it started changing his ideas of how he saw things and how he, you know, fits in where he can be himself, an African-American, and not try to be, you know, in the story he's adopted into an Irish family and he's not trying to be an Irish. He's trying to learn who he is and learn his culture, which again, on the macro, you know, growing up in a school system that was, you know, taught predominantly white history. And, you know, when it came to black history, we spoke about, you know, pretty much the same four or five people. We learned about slavery. Um, you know, and, it, and so the, the story um, came from that. Um, and it and it developed and turned into so much more. Um, and it, after each show, um, we do talkback, and you know the the talkback sometimes goes just as long as the show because people really do have a lot to say. And I think talking about race has almost become taboo, and it's like you you know, it, it's like it's just become this uncomfortable thing. And I think I created a platform where people feel free to talk and express what they want, and it's and everybody's there in the same mind, experiencing and talking about what just happened, you know, and it feels safe. And, it, and it's, a, it's a really, really great experience that I hope people come out and check out. Okay. Uh, so the musical deals with racial stereotypes, white privilege, social justice, and many of the other issues of the, uh, of the day. But how is this musical different from other musicals or plays or movies that, that have tackled the, these same issues? How is it different? And why has it received such rave reviews from people of all races wherever it has been performed all over the country? Well, I think the first thing is that um, when I wrote the show, I was living in Boulder, Colorado. It was a majority of uh, white people, um, and my wife, who is white, actually comes from there. Um, and when I moved out there, I came to the realization, and it wasn't until I moved out there, I came to the realization that I had a problem with white males, older white males. I felt like they, they've always treated me like they felt they were better than me. And, you know, and that's something that I carried that they, they weren't doing anything, but I carried that. And it was something that I kind of had to get rid of and I, I learned from, you know, but at the same time, I also wanted people to understand where I was coming from. So when I originally wrote the show, what I did, which I think was different, was I didn't cast people of color in the show 
to tell our plight. What I did was I used the story of adoption and used white people on stage to tell the story. Um, and I think the other thing that I did was a lot of times I think um, white people may feel when they get into these conversations, there's a lot of guilt. There's a lot of like trying to make me feel bad for all the things that white people, Europeans have done historically. Like, you know, I, I don't want to feel that guilt. There's a lot of like anger and thing, and I don't want to feel that. And I think in my show between the humor and the music, um, what ended up happening was for, for, for white people, when they saw, saw the show, the, at least the white people that I spoke to that came and saw the show and expressed, they just said that it felt good to see like a lot of their, their own family members. It looked like their family members on stage. And, um, you know, cause there's the different characters or whatever that was identical to different people in their lives. And it felt, you know, like it gave them, it made them think like, wow, like that's crazy that I'd let that go along for so long and this and that. And then what was really cool was when I came to New York and did the show and I did it for where it was a majority of people of color in the audience, um, they felt a sense of validation. Like you're telling my story here. You're, you're telling my story and it's funny. And I, you know, and it was, and that was like a happy accident because it wasn't what I was writing. <laughs> I just felt like, you know, I, as a person of color, like, I don't want to be the spokesperson for, for why, what about race and this and that, because I feel like um, for things to change, I feel like if white people spoke to white people and educated their own, that, you know, things would be better and it shouldn't fall on my shoulders. You know, it shouldn't fall on, our, on people of color's shoulders. And I think with the show, it, it worked. You know, it, it, and it's it's funny. And like I said, a lot of the music is really well. And then, you know, the the third layer that um, I was actually afraid of was, you know, the adoption piece. Um, like, so a lot of the people that came who had adopted kids in real life, you know, and I remember I was on stage, and there's one song in particular that I remember I'm on stage and I'm singing the song and I'm looking out into the audience and, like, I see like this whole, the whole first row of people crying, you know, <laughs> um, and it was just like they, you know, for them, and it was and people who didn't adopt, but it was just for those people who adopted, like seeing that and, you know, how they can relate to what happened. Um, you know, so I think in that aspect, it's, it's very different because, you know, I don't think white people walk in there feeling like, oh, God, here we go again. Blame me for this, and white people did this, and go ahead or whatever. You know, I, I think it's just a different. It's present. I'm presenting an experience, like uh, the the Sean's experience, and it's just a, a coming of age story, and I'm just presenting his experience, and I think that feels safe. That feels good for people. At the same time, it's giving a super powerful message, and um, you know, and it's like I said, every even people. I have friends who saw the show who after the show, they were angry with me. They, you know, they're white friends who were angry with me about the show, but they didn't exactly know why, you know. And (laughs) for me, I I felt good, and I felt like, you know, my job is to move your emotions. And so the fact that you're mad at me, like, I'm glad, you know, I'm happy because, you know, good, I did my job. You know, and, and we got to speaking afterwards, and, you know, one of them told me that, you know, it was just that some of the, I didn't know how to deal with those truths. They bothered me, but, you know, like there was some truth to it. Um, and and it, it was very helpful, and it was, it was just a really good experience. And I love the fact that we do the talk back because the, the people get a chance to express what it is that they're feeling. And other people in the audience get to feel like, like, uh, you know, I'm so happy you told my story. It feels so good. And, you know, so my, my whole thing is I want to create, like I was saying earlier, I want to create this lane where, yeah, you can have the Lion King, you can have these big, giant um, um, performances, but, you know, how great would it be if you have stories like these that are now also giving you some kind of, um, you know, subconsciously programming you, but, you know, educating you in a, in a bright way, giving you, you know, in a positive way. You know, and it's not like a negative us against them thing, but that we're all growing together and building together, you know, and, and how cool that would be if that was Main Street. You know, and so that's what I'm um, shooting for and hoping for and, you know, working until I'm there, you know, because that, that's who I am. Well, I, I thank you very much on your way to where you want to go. Now, uh, I, I did want to mention too, and, and you mentioned this in your in your comments about the the songs, and 
I, I believe you wrote all of the songs. And, yes, I did. Uh, it, it appears that they're they're really powerful. So, uh, what impact do these songs have on the musical? And what motivates and inspires you to write songs that are are so powerful yet perfectly suited to your material? Well, I think you know, music in general. I, I feel like music in general. You know, you can put on different type of music, and it's going to put you in a different mood. You know, and I and and so music, just music itself, it's pop. You know, and then I, I, what I do is, and I think a lot of other people do is, when there's an emotion that I really want to drive home, you know, I put a song in there because I know it's going to get that message home, and I and I know I want people leaving the theater humming it, <laughs> you know, and and I because I feel, you know, music for me in my life has been such a such an influence, you know, and you know, to this day, like, if, no matter what I have to do, like, I gotta put on music, be it instrumental, be it whatever, but it's just it's such a powerful tool, and it's so universal. You know, it's, it, it, it speaks every language, and, you know, and, and I think there's something special to that, and so I, I feel like it's perfect to use in the pieces that you're using, that you're writing, because it helps drive the message home. Okay, very good. Now, uh, I was uh, fortunate enough to go to your website and watch you mention the the talk back at the end of the the uh, uh, the production, where people in the audience talk to uh, the uh, participants in in the in the musical. And in listening to some of the the audience members' comments after your performances, so many uh, black and white expressed how they had been affected in a way that made them confront racism in ways they never had before. Uh, I think you kind of touched on this a, a little bit already, but would you elaborate a little f- further? Was was that your intent, and uh, how did you accomplish it? It was. You know, and I, I think, uh, so one of my, like, one of my good friends, um, Keith Nikwe, he introduced me to Dr. Amos Wilson. Um, and I, and I, I sat and listened to a lot of his. He used to give a lot of talks. He passed away, um, and and this this man was so brilliant. I mean, you know, just brilliant. And I was like, how is it that I'm just finding out about this guy? How is it that he is not taught in the school? Like, it, you know, it's just like brilliant, you know. And I just felt like I, you know, I wanted to get his message out there. I wanted to get a lot of so a lot of the a lot of the concepts that I had in my show, you know, a lot of it came from Amos Wilson's ideologies and the, the things that he said, um, and they also came from Khalid Muhammad and a few influences in there. Um, but you know, I I just wanted to I I feel like if we would give the opportunity to listen to one another um, without prejudice just come into a conversation and just listen to one another. That that can help start us in the right direction. It may not change you and end racism. It may not do those things, but it may be the start we need to start walking in the right direction. And I feel and witness how my show has done that, you know, and it's a, it's a wonderful feeling because you feel like, you know, you're a part of doing something big. And for me, I feel honored and I wish he was alive to let him know, like, hey, you know, like I'm, I'm trying to take pieces of your message and move it forward, you know, and hand it out and get it out there. Um, and uh, with everything that's going on, like I just feel like right now I feel like there's a big fire going on, you know, and we just need to, like, put out some fires. And I feel like my show is a good starting point to help put out those fires and, and, and get people to listen, you know, to a lot of the things that maybe they didn't think about. You know, and, and like I said, I, I think I, I presented it in a way that feels safe, in a way that feels, you know, hopefully um, people can take it themselves and plant uh, that I planted a seed in them that they will take it further and do something else with it and write a book and tell talk to their kids about it or whatever it is. But that that was the intent of the show, you know, to get that knowledge out there, you know, um, and a lot of the a lot of the you know a lot of the material in the show was influenced by Kareem Muhammad 
Amos Wilson. And I don't agree with everything that they say. I don't agree with everything that they say, but a lot of what they say, you know, makes sense and it's true and it fits. And, you know, so I, I just, it, it's just something about the importance of hoping that people can take a chance and listen to one another. And at the talkbacks, that's exactly what people do. They sit there, they listen to one another, and they express what they're feeling. And it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing that, you know, to see, you know, and, and, and it's an honor to be able to, that I was fortunate enough to create that, you know, because I think it's super helpful and we need a lot more of it. I totally agree. Now, one of the things that we touched on uh, in general earlier, and I would like to address more specifically at this time, uh, obviously you need funding for for what you're doing, and, and not just for this particular project, but on an ongoing basis for all of the, the many things that, that, that you do. So for those listening to help you who want to support you, uh, how can they contribute or where can they, they donate to, uh, to help you so that you can, can keep this going? Well, the, the first thing they can do, of course, is um, if, uh, they can always go on the website, send a, um, you know, purchase tickets for the show if they can't attend and donate those tickets to someone else who, you know, like I, there are plenty of people that I would love to give tickets to for free. So they can donate, buy those tickets to help, you know, recoup. Um, you know the money that I put. Um, I they can reach out to me at my website if they want to make a donation. You know they can reach out to me and I you know we can connect that way to get those donations in place. Um, my my goal with this run is to hopefully get enough funding so that the show can live, so that the show can live, you know, in a theater where people can use it and it can be used as a diversity training tool for businesses. When I lived in Colorado. Um, the city of Boulder actually hired us and used us as a diversity training tool for the city employees. Um, a couple of colleges brought us in as well, paid us to do that. Um, we did it for the YMCA, you know, and so we're also a tool that can be used to help. Um, and so we do offer that. If, you know, if, if that's something that somebody needs, they want a creative way to do a diversity training program, you know, that's, that's a perfect solution for us. You know, of course, we'll always accept donations. Um, you know, that, that is first and foremost. But, you know, um, if, if those donations went towards tickets so that I can give for people to free to come to the show, that would be fantastic because it would be supporting, you know, maybe some people who can't afford tickets to go to the show. Um, and most importantly, just contact me, reach out to me, and, let, and, and let's have a conversation. If you want to help me out and, you know, uh, reach out to me, talk to me, and, you know, we can figure it out. We can definitely figure it out. Okay. So would you give uh, the, the audience your website address? Yes. So my website is www.hiphipharadia. So it's H-I-P-H-I-P-H-E-R-E-D-I-A. Um, and my email address is the same website name, Hip hip radio at gmail dot com h i p h i p h e r e d i a um and if um i will welcome you know you can shoot me an email um i'm also on facebook hip hip radio um and please feel free to reach out to me um and you know of course we love any um help we can get monetarily you know um we would also appreciate shares you know, helping with getting the show, the word out there, um, any help that we can afford to get the show out there, like I would appreciate it all. Okay. Now, if if I'm correct, I think the uh, show right now is uh, playing in, in, in New York. And for our listeners in New York, we do encourage you to go and make sure that you uh, see this play and then go back and take somebody else with you and spread the word. And if you don't live in the New York area, uh, Carlos, what can people who don't live in that area do if they would like to bring the uh, the musical to their city? So the the other thing that I that I love to do and that I find is important to do is so I currently live in Greensboro, North Carolina. Um, my family is still up here in New York. But if let's say there was a sh- uh, somebody in you know let's say in Arkansas, they wanted to bring the show in there. You know, what I would do is I would reach out to actors in that community, in Arkansas. I would reach out to them 
um, you know, cast it from here, send them the script, send them the music, and then I'll fly myself out there, get out there, you know, we'll rehearse a couple of days, and we will perform, you know, and that's one of the ways we can do it that uh, that we've done in the past. And when I come to New York, too, like, I don't live here, but what I did is, you know, I put an ad, I got actors, and, you know, we rehearsed in a couple of days, and we performed. Um and so that's exactly how I would do it there. I do have the the original cast that started with I. They all based out of Colorado. Um, but if they wanted if they wanted to fly us all out, that would be fine too. It'd be a little more expensive, but that would be fine too. I mean, you know. That, so, but the main thing is get in touch with me, and we, you know, where there's a will, there's a way, you know. And if it's something that you want, we will make it happen. Okay. Now let me ask you this. What about areas where they they may have a community theater or maybe a a, 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 a group of uh, community theaters that may help you um, get the actors you need from from their pool of talent so that 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 you can make this happen? Do you collaborate or, or work with uh, uh, community theaters and other areas like that? Absolutely, I absolutely love collaboration because um, for myself personally, I love it because it's going to help me grow, number one. It's going to introduce me to people. It's going to, you know, connect me with and build these relationships with people. And, you know, I, I always laugh with, um, with with Facebook because, I, you know, I was speaking earlier about the, the priest that passed away, Father Vincent. He, he was like Facebook. He used to create these programs and he used to connect strangers and, you know, everything that was happening on Facebook, but he did it in real life. So when it comes to, like, those community theaters, like, I would love to work with them uh, in any way, you know, they need me to come help them and be a stage manager. You know, like, as long as we're doing something positive and we're building and moving forward, I'm all in. Okay, very good. And uh, what final advice do you have for our listeners? who may be interested in establishing a community theater group in their area. And for young people who are interested in getting into theater or as a, uh, as a fun activity or possibly even as a career. All right. So the first thing I will say is I will offer, again, my email, the hiphipparadia at gmail.com. You can send me any questions that you may have at any time. And I will answer. I mean, if I get bombarded, it's going to take me some time. But please feel free to reach out to me, and I would love to have a conversation. If that's something that I can't help you with or that I don't, I'm not knowledgeable about, I can 100% find someone else, or one of my friends, one of my coworkers that can help you. But I encourage you, you know, reach out to me. Email me. Reach out to me. Let's talk, and I will help you in whatever way that I can. Um, number two, uh, I think you hit yourself, Ms. Edwards, is, you know, we have to care. You know, you have to care. And if you care enough to to, to want to do it, it'll happen. You know, just keep keep steady, keep going forward, you know, one step at a time, and it'll happen. You know, um, but the main thing is, like, just as long as you want to do it, as long as you feel in your heart, this is something that I want to do, I guarantee you you're going to hit obstacles. A hundred percent. You're gonna feel at times that you want to quit. A hundred percent. I I personally remember a few years ago where it was so frustrating for me that I was praying that this desire to want to be in the arts would leave my system and that I would just want to be a teacher or want to be a doctor or something else because it was just like I just I didn't want to be a part of it. But you know it's my calling. It, it, it always came back, and it just felt like this is what I was supposed to be doing. Um, and whether I stay on a local level, whether I, you know, get big like Lim Manuel, you know, um, status, like this is what I have to be doing. This is where I feel is my calling. And I think anyone that feels that way, I encourage you to stick with that, follow your dreams, push through your goals. It's not easy. If it was easy, everybody would do it. You know, and but as long as you care and you care enough about it, and remember why it is that you're doing, um, it'll happen. Carlos, thank you so much for joining us tonight and for helping us understand how theater and the arts can help get our troubled youth off the streets 
and rescue them from getting into the juvenile justice system, as well as any youth that's looking for a challenge. Also, thank you so much for all of the sacrifice of your time, energy, resources, and doing what you do for young people and the community. You are truly a great humanitarian, and we commend you, and thank you so much. Thank you so much, so much for having me. I really appreciate it, your work. You're very welcome. Now, please join me next week for another exciting program when my guest will be therapist, social advocate, professional speaker, author, and consultant, Mr. Ronnie Sidney. Mr. Sidney is the author of the book, Nelson Beats the Odds. And this is a semi-autobiographical uh, graphic novel about a young man diagnosed with a learning disability and ADHD. Now, Mr. Sidney will share his own personal experience dealing with his learning disability and how it affected him and how he was ultimately able to overcome it and achieve extraordinary success. So be sure to join us, especially if you have a child with a learning disability, because we will provide important information for parents, teachers, and schools, including parents' legal rights. Thanks again for joining us tonight, and until next week, good night, everyone, and have an awesome week. You're listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network. Hashtag One Million Strong.